Hey, I don't know how your week has gone, but my week has just been a crazy mishmash of all kinds of events. Um, it was fun to do this event last night this, where we shot these two uh, twin t- uh, beams into the sky. and It was such a powerful moment, though. It was funny. One guy did come up and say, uh, is this the Batman convention? Um, what can he do? So, but I, I, it was such a powerful uh, week, and we had so many examples of life and death in the same week. Uh, we had an amazing wedding yesterday, Highlands Church. Two people who came to Christ uh, here at this church became uh, united be- with God yesterday. It was so exciting. We had a new members class yesterday, amazing people joining this church. And then we had just a really sad announcement. One of our uh, dearest members uh, passed away this last week, Norma Walters, passed away this last week. And you may have remembered her from videos, and we'll have her memorial this weekend. And so as I've thought about this week, I've thought it's really, if I was to draw a picture of this week, I would, I would put a line down the middle, and I would write on this side, life, right here, and I would write on this side, death, on the other side here. And then I've been thinking about the things that have happened the last 10 years, the things that happened 10 years ago, and, and I bet if we went around this room this morning and we asked everybody here exactly where you were and what you were doing and what you were thinking, you could give us exactly what you were thinking and doing at that moment. And, and I thought, you know, I bet that moment for you was about life and death too. I, I bet you had a lot of life in your life, and then you heard the news somehow and it just came through. Uh, I've talked to a couple people. I love to hear the stories here in uh, the Central Coast. There was one uh, personless mom had a couple of kids, and she was about ready to put them on the bus. She was from Paso Robles. She was getting ready to go to school. There was so much joy and life, all the little lunch boxes getting ready. And then she turned on the news and found out that, that there was a death happening in New York City. And they actually kept all the kids home on that particular day. If you remember 10 years ago, schools were closed. Another person told me they were out on a run, and it was this uh, beautiful morning. And it was just perfect, and they were just out running, and they ha- felt this life right there. And then all of a sudden, they felt that there was something wrong in the world, and, and they came home, and they found out that there was death. I, I was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was a campus minister. I was actually late for work on that day, and I was really worried, so I had a lot of life, anxious life in my system. And I, was, I came, and the staff were not in the room. I was very nervous. I thought, wow, I probably lost my job, or or the raptures happened, or something, because I've been left behind. But <laughs> I went into this little room, and there was the whole staff sitting around looking at this little black and white TV as, as the events of those days happened. So I've been thinking about that whole experience as life and death, and I've been thinking about the last 10 years of our country, and thinking that in some ways, we sort of have this death thing about us for the last 10 years. People have talked about this, sociologists have talked about before 9-11, post 9-11, there are two worlds, and I don't know about you, but I feel that. I can tell there is a post-9-11 world, and we live in that today, and it's spiritual. It's not just a, a physical death, but a spiritual death. But as I've been thinking about these questions of life and death this last week, and I've been thinking about what it means to be a Christ follower, as I was listening to those lines from Caleb's amazing song, Walk On, this last moment, all that we fashion, all that we make, all that we build, all that we break, leave it behind. We're packing a suitcase for a place that no one's been. If we're really packing a suitcase for a place that nobody's ever been, if we really believe in heaven, then for us, for everybody here in this room at the very least, it's not a question of life and death. It's a question of life and life. And I want us to think seriously about that this morning, because if we really believe this, 
mean, if this is just a, a charade we go through every week where we have the cross and we sing these songs, leave it all behind, and we sing these songs, if that's what it's about, then there's probably no point really in, in this whole thing carrying on. But if we really believe that there is life after life for people who are in Christ, then it changes our whole view of this whole thing. And for at least us who are here today, and for those who know about this powerful reality, it can transform the world around us. And so that's what I want to talk about today. So my daughter Haley and I, we read a story every night, and it usually begins this way. I say, we have one story before bed, and then she says, let's have four stories, and then I say, let's have two, and then she says three, and then she wins. That's usually how it works, but... So one of her favorite stories is this story called The Oakwood Monster. I don't know if you know it, but it's about this uh, Benson the bunny and Sherry the squirrel. It's a deep plot, let me just say that. <laughs> but there's this figure on the background. It's, as you can see from this picture, it's this, it's this thing that they think is a monster. And so the whole narrative of this deep plotted mo- uh, book is it's a monster. And so they think it's this monster. And by the end of the book, they see that it's not really a monster. It's, it's just a crow. And so that's what I want us to think about today. I think if Christ were in the room today, if he was to talk to us at this moment, he would say, it's just a crow, (laughs) that there is life after life. Let's think about that, that powerful reality in our lives. And let's think about Paul, who was speaking to the book uh, church in Corinth. Uh, Corinth is more, uh, the Greek community, Corinth was Greek, is more like America than probably the Roman Empire. We often compare the America to the Roman Empire, but the Romans were nothing like us. They were a completely different beast. We can talk about them on another day. The Greeks were more like Americans. And the way Americans tend to think about life and death is that there's this life here, and we sort of believe in, in life after life. We sort of do, but we really believe in this life, right? And so the, the Greeks were all about, the Corinthians were all about the best wines, so they had a god to Dionysus. In this little city in Corinth, they had the god Aphrodite, uh, the great temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And so all of life for them was really not about this. It was really about getting the most out of this. Because who knows really what's, what's over here. And so Paul is speaking to this faith community that are supposed to believe in this. And yet they have started to adopt this mentality of the world that they live in. Let's take a look at this text. It's a bit complex, but I think it'll speak to what we want to say today and what God wants to say to us, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 58. Uh, Paul begins this way. My friends, he says, If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can you, some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? If he were here today, he might say, as you were passing that cross out there that we have on our Seekers Park, if you have a cross out there that signifies Jesus' resurrection from the dead, so how come it is that you don't necessarily really believe in life after life? Uh, he continues this way, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has, not been, has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, so there's no faith. He's saying there's no point, really. He's using a wonderful mathematical equation. If you want, if you're mathematically oriented, it's CR equals RD. RD equals CR. Christ risen, Christ's resurrection equals our resurrection. Resurrection for either, either Christ was resurrected and we really do believe in life after life, or Christ wasn't resurrected and we really don't believe it at all. We can't have it both ways. He continues, but some may ask, well, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have? Maybe we're asking that question. Then he says, how foolish. Remember, the Greek word idiot actually is Greek. So he actually says something like that, you idiots. But we can't say that it's a nice translation here. It's church, but he would say that. And then he gives us this powerful image of what life and death and how this thing works. He says, when you, when a, when you sow a seed, 
Does it not become life unless it dies? When you sow, do you plant the body that will be but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else? What he's really saying is between life and life, there is this seed of our bodies which does have to die. It's this little thing in the middle here that does have to die. There's a picture here of a chrysanthemum seed that does have to die. As you can see, the the seed around it is dying, but there's something living happening inside. Paul is using exactly the same image. There is life after life. And then this famous, powerful ending, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh cannot and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does it perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, he says, I will tell you a mystery. Aren't you listening? I love it when he says that. We will not all sleep. Sleeping is a metaphor for death. We will not all die. There's life after life. Do you really believe that or not? And he says, we will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, and there will be life after life. And then he finishes with this powerful, you've heard this before, death has been swallowed up in victory. This doesn't exist. Where, O death, is your victory? He finishes, where, O death, is your sting? I love this last little image. It's of a bee. My father-in-law, Papa John, as Haley calls him, was stung by a bee this last, last summer, and uh, it was a bit serious. It started to swell up, and, and, but he stayed away from the bees in the yard all day long, and finally one of them found him and stung him. But what if, what if, what if the bee didn't have a sting in it? He, he might actually have wanted to play with the bee. It, it wouldn't really have an impact in his life. Maybe not play with it, but you get the picture. What, what, what I think God wants to say to us today is if we really believe this, if we really believe that, that Christ has taken the sting out of death, that there really is life after life, shouldn't it just change the way that we view this whole thing? What Paul might ask is, where is your sting? 9-11. Now, we don't mean to diminish anything that happened or, or the pain that has continued to happen. Not at all. The sting disappears with Christ. One of the things I love so much about Highlands Church is you heard from Jill's announcements, the Mariners Ministries. We have so many people of so many generations. We may have kind of a loud worship band and and great graphics and stuff, but we just have a pretty normal church in terms of a wonderful cross-section of people from different generations. And what I love about having people from different generations is anybody underneath the age of 40, which is me, 39, which I'll be for another 39 years I plan on being, but Anybody who's under 40 thinks that the worst thing that ever happened to America was 9-11. We, we will always think 9-11 whenever we dial that number or, or whenever we think about that, we'll always think about that time. But I want to throw out a couple of other dates, and those of you who are a little older and wiser than I am, would you just tell me what happened on these days? December 7th, 1941. See how quickly it was, nobody under 40 answered that. <laughs> Pearl Harbor. It was the day that FDR said would live on in infamy. It was the day that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. Did you know that more people died in Pearl Harbor? Actually, the cumulative deaths, 3,500 people died on that day. Now, not to diminish anything that happened at 9-11. Terrible. But what happened on this other date, here's another date for you. June 6, 1944, D-Day. I heard folks who have fought in that, fought in that war. We have people who fought in that war, D-Day. You know, they called it D-Day because it was Decision Day. I just found that out. A little trivia. Ask your friends if they know that this week. You know that 9,000 people, 9,000 Americans died as they stormed that beach. 
Now, not to diminish what has happened in this last 10 years, terrible. 9,000 people. Here's another date for you. April 12th, 1861. Anybody here alive then? Okay, just checking. You never know. Vitamin supplements and stuff. Of course, that was the beginning of the Civil War. That was Fort Sumter. 500,000 Americans died in that war. Half a million Americans. More Americans died in that war than any other war combined. Now again, not to diminish anything that happened on that terrible date 10 years ago. And what is the point I'm trying to make here? Well, it isn't that time heals all wounds. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that even in practical terms, there is life after life. In our country, there's been life after life. But what Christ is saying is there's an instantaneous life after life that happens in our lives when we come to that moment in our lives. So all I want to do for the rest of the time that we have today is just to have you help think about the power of life after life and to really live that as much as you can. So first point is this. Christ takes the sting out of death. Heard about these two cowboys who were having a big argument. One cowboy was a pastor, a preacher cowboy. The other guy was an atheist. And the atheist comes up to the other guy, the preacher, and says, Preacher, you don't believe in eternal life, do you? He says, well, I actually, he couldn't get any words out before the other guy said, well, see, the thing is, there is no eternal life. See, I believe there is, it's all science, and uh, we, when we die, we're just going to go right into the ground. There's nothing after this life, and you don't believe in eternal life, said this guy. Well, I do, and he tried to explain for, he said, well, no, there is no eternal life. When I go into the, when I die, I'm going to be put into a big six-foot hole, six-foot wide, deep, and I'm just going to put some dirt on me, and that's where I'm going to be forever. Pastor takes his hat off and says, well, thank God for that. Okay. <laughs> see if you're awake. So the question is really, do we really believe in this life for life thing? Do we really believe that? One of my favorite people who is nearing the next life is Billy Graham. And he's been preaching, like I am today, much more eloquently about life after life for the last, last 92 years. He, he's an amazing man. He's about probably to head into this next life. And this is a time when it really is like talk turkey time for people. You know, you, you can say, you can talk a big game, but do you really believe it at the end of the day? Lee Graham said this recently about life after life. I think about heaven a great deal. I think about the failures of my life in the past, but know they've been covered by the blood of Christ. That gives me a great sense of confidence. I have certainty about eternity. It's a wonderful thing, and thank God for giving me that certainty. I do not fear death. I may fear it a little bit about the process, but not death itself, because I think that at that moment the Spirit leaves its body, I will be in the presence of God. I want to have you think about something this week. One great definition of faith is this. The degree of certainty that we have that death has lost its sting. How certain are you of that? That's a great definition of faith. And what's interesting is, I think about the world that we live in, is we're a lot like the Greeks. We try to get the most out of this life, and do we really believe in that life? Because if we did, wouldn't we live our lives a little differently? One of my favorite singers who passed away recently, Amy Winehouse, a terribly tortured soul. Her father was talking about her life and her drug addictions, and they said, you know, she lived everything in excess. Everything about her life was excess. If, if he might put it in these terms, he might say, everything about Amy Winehouse's life, God bless her, was here. And she just might have lived her life a little differently if she did just had some certainty about this. And again, no judgment about her. God, maybe she's in God's hands now. 
I heard about a crazy thing. Twelve multimillionaires in the United States are now planning for their bodies to be cryogenically frozen. True story. And this guy named Pizer, not Pfizer, Pizer, uh, can't remember his first name, has now put $10 million in savings. His plan is that when they figure out a cure for his disease, that they will bring him back to life again, and then that he will be the richest man in the world. I just hope the stock market doesn't crash while he's cryogenically frozen, but it doesn't sound like life after life to me. It sounds like he's just trying to get a lot more out of this, and to me, that's just death. So, in Christ, Christ takes the sting out of death. There's life after life. The second thing is when we really believe that, it changes our whole, our whole lives. It just permeates the world around us. It changes the way we live, and it gives us a kind of levity about how to live and how to give and how to love and how to have just how to breathe. There's a commercial I saw on TV recently. Uh, I think it's Traveler's Insurance, and if it is, you guys owe me some royalties this morning if you're listening. But, but Traveler's Insurance did this ad where there was this um, bunny rabbit that comes and meets this snake, and the snake rattles before the bunny rabbit, and it has sort of a rattle in the back of its tail, and so the bunny rabbit then looks at the snake and starts to laugh. The point is, of course, we're like that bunny. We really should laugh at this thing that has this sting in it. And it changes the way we live, and a lot of times I have to get out of this country to really see people who really believe in life after life, because so much of the stuff of this world bogs us down into this world. I was in the Philippines with 20 college students 10 years ago. Just after 9-11, we took 20 college students to the Philippines, to Arab City, this garbage dump, this place that kids lived on, eating garbage and and, and just making their lives in this this place. There were 5,000 people in this Arab City. And you've heard me tell this story before, this entire garbage dump collapsed one day, and 5,000 people were killed instantly. So this was our spring break for University of Michigan, and so we took 20 college students here, and we were really expecting the worst. We were expecting death upon death upon death. But I will never forget what I saw there. I'll never forget what I saw as I went there across the garbage dump, and I expected to just have this hang of death. I saw these kids who were playing and jumping and smiling right next to a cross. For them, who had lost their parents, there was life after life, and they didn't have to worry about it. And the final thing is this. You know, as we process this as a country and figure out how to, how to handle these things, as we think about those who have done ill against us, best thing we can do, the best thing we can do is to simply embody this eternal life that we have that it's so infectious that people around us just want some part of this eternal life. I saw a movie that just changed my life the other day. It was a Wednesday night, which is my Saturday night. So my Wednesday night is your Saturday night because it's the middle of the week. So I went. It was middle of the week. It was was Pastor Robles, middle of August. I was the only guy in the movie theater that night. Pastor Robles was quiet as a dormouse on Ambien that night. But I tell you, that was an amazing movie. And I'll, I'll never forget that scene where there's, of course, this is about uh, racism in the South, and this is about this, the state of Mississippi and this main character by the name of Hilly. If you haven't seen this, go see this movie, this character who's just so full of hatred and so full of wrong and so full of bitterness and so full of wanting to put other people down. And she tries to pass laws in the Mississippi state legislature to have African Americans not be able to have the same bathrooms as people who are my color. And, 
so she, she actually passed this law so people who were just servers in houses couldn't use the same bathrooms. And the movie culminates in this figure by the name of Abilene, who's this wonderful woman, and she raises up Hilly's kids. She's really the mother to Hilly's kids, this woman who has all this bitterness, and Hilly's kids are there, and she just, she, she, she's the mom, Abilene, to these little girls, little boys. One day, Hilly decides to fire Abilene. You're out of here. Just pack your bags. Just get out of here. Never come back. This is a woman who had been with her kids for literally like 10 and 12 years every day of their lives. She says, do you really want to do this? Hilly says, yep, you're out of here. Gone. I never want to see you again. Just get out of here. And that's a chance for Abilene to just do anything she wanted. She could have spit in the face of this person. She could have yelled at her. She could have done anything. But she looked at Hilly in the face. Abilene looked at Hilly in the face. She said, Hilly, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of all this evil that you've been doing? And that's the question that we might ask to anybody who would do such a thing as this, the question that God would ask. Aren't you tired of these things? That's all we have to ask. Let the power of God, let the power of this life after life, let's really live this thing. Let's really believe this thing. Would you do that with me? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this life. Thank you for the life that you offer us after. I pray that you would be with us and help us to really believe this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.